0: Welcome to yet another episode of Shortcast Over Coffee. My guest today is Jagan Krishnan. Jagan is a stand-up comedian and writer based in Chennai and is currently touring the world with his comedy show Jaganeet Andhiram. In this episode, I talked to Jagan about his early days in comedy, his writing, and his love for Tamil cinema and music, and also the stand-up comedy scene in regional languages. So let's now get on with the episode. Hi, Jagan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Bala, for inviting me.
0: Yeah. I actually got to know of you, like I think most people, through the Harris Jairaj viral video. uh, And I'm pretty sure you have heard of this so many times. I watched a couple of interviews of yours where uh, the interviewer was like, oh, we discovered you through the Harris Jairaj video. And I don't know how many hits it has got. It it just went viral. And I think one of the most uh, particular things about the video is that you were not just you know, going through his uh, uh, songs but you were singing them so well and that I think was one of the, you know, one of the USPs of that piece. Um, and funny enough, you know, I also had this thought about Harris Jeraj that a lot of his songs are very similar, it, they have a very, you know, choir or a gospel vibe about them. Uh, but, uh, I think in one of your interviews, you say a joke is a joke only if it is delivered. If a joke yeah. is in your head, then it's not a joke. So I sure. think, uh, yeah, and I think you perfectly summed it up. So congrats on that. I think that, that really did play a huge part in, uh, you becoming very popular on the internet. I'm sure you were quite popular in the comedy circles in Chennai, but, uh, uh how much of an impact did that video have in your life?
1: Well, that video is like basically my, that's my arrival card, my identity and it has become such a way. And every comedian needs that break, right? I'm glad that it happened. It's technically my second video, but right now, uh, according to YouTube, that's going to be my first ever stand-up video. But that technically became my, um, what can I say? Uh, My... uh, Postcard, sort of. Yeah, maybe, yeah. It announced the arrival in a very good way. And uh, I, my friends, comedic friends used to say the same thing to me, like people who have been doing this and people who have been watching this for some time. So it's the impact of the first video that's like when people get introduced to you, That va- that is that is something that you, you need to value the most. So don't be in a hurry, don't be in a rush to release the first video. Take your time, do it properly. When it comes out, it has to come out and it has to go with the bank because once people start liking, and once people start the best of you, once people see the best of you, then uh, automatically it gives some sort of a leverage for you to uh, do the next one better or try something different. And even if you fail, there will there will be some people who'll always know that okay, this guy has done some good stuff. So now uh, uh, maybe he might he might have slipped here and there. That's fine. I think he'll. Come back again. So that's why I am very careful with my videos. And uh, that Harris Jiraj video, I think uh, it took a while for me to even uh, there was there were a lot of other versions of the same uh, same exact bit. Uh, it went through multiple iterations, and I think I I kept improving on it for close to one and a half years, I think. So and then finally I decided, okay, this is when it has to go, and then it went. Hmm. And uh, luckily, it worked. Luckily, it resonated with a lot of people. And uh, of course, even in that video, I would have told, uh, 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 please do not consider this as a musician's perspective. This is somebody who uh, failed as a musician uh, and who is who is literally envious and jealous of all the successful musicians out there and just want to make uh, lighthearted fun regarding the same. And that's exactly the video. Glad it did well and glad it resonated well. And uh, Kudos to everybody who worked on that video, including the sound guy who made me sound good. Shridhar Bigger Yeah
0: Yeah, um, I think um, Like I said You know One of the things That was standing out In the video Is how well you sang Uh, Did you have any Formal training in music Uh, You play guitar pretty well uh, But how did How did you start Same
1: Same Same Whatever I mentioned In the video It all started Sometime uh, I, I learned guitar Again I didn't learn it properly I learned vocals Again I didn't learn it Properly, because there is something that is so restricting about uh, proper formal education that was not very attractive to me. So, the uh, like, I, I was the naive, over enthusiastic, over zealous kid. No, like, the minute you go and buy a guitar from the shop, you just want to be the next rock star, get into the band, and then sing. It doesn't matter whether you know anything or not, all you need to know is like, just learn three chords and go and play the songs. That's that's how I was. It is absolutely and it's a ridiculous approach. You should never do that. That is exactly uh, what I tell to a lot of people now also. Um, so, I did have training. I did have formal training with respect to vocals. Um, and then with respect to guitar as well. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, I would say like it's just an okay kind of training. Um, here and there. Few years here and there. That's it.
0: Yeah, we all do that, don't we? I mean, you know, someone who starts off with, uh, let's say, cricket, uh, who wants to become a batsman, uh, they think that they can just go in and bat. But, you know, the process is so much more important. Maybe you will be made to run uh, around the oval for like, you know, three times. Or you may be, yeah, I've heard from uh, budding cricketers that they are, usually made to feel for the most of their uh, initial days Uh, and it's it's kind of important to fall in love with the process and uh, you know a lot of the times when he when we look up to musicians or you know anybody for that matter who has achieved something in life we never sort of realize what all they went through to to become who they are and uh, so yeah i think uh, i am also Someone similar who 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 has fallen in love with the art but uh, did not quite uh, like the process.
1: Same thing. Even in cricket, I, I did the same thing. I did go to cricket coaching. I did go for three, four years. I used to shadow bat and shadow bowl all the way uh, up to my school and then back home. So, I used to commentate on my own innings, imaginary innings where I'm playing for India in the finals in the World Cup. All those things I've done. The whole nine yards, but then, like exactly what you said, that's what differentiates uh, uh, professionals and amateurs. You know, like uh, the you everybody an amateur. You go, you learn for some time because it's very exciting initially. Then you get into the process, then you realize that okay, it's not as fun as what you thought it would be, and then you have to put you have to do the dirty work. You have to grind yourself. You have to. Uh, change your entire life to fit into that particular thing because you want to be good at it. You want to be better at it. Uh, I think that's where it gets alienating for a lot of people. And the same thing happened to me. I still regret it. I still regret not being a cricketer, not being a musician, not being in a band. A little bit here and there. But uh, I understand that there is nobody else, nobody else is at fault except me. So it's completely up to me. I should have had the result. So when I was playing cricket, I didn't. I, I didn't have the result. I just went to like cricket coaching. I'll go for physical conditioning in the morning and then evening I'll go to the, the usual net practice and everything. And it was just a, like, some kind of a regular mundane schedule, you know. It's like going to school and coming back. Not really passionate about it. The minute I left cricket and then two years later, I identified, oh, this is what I was supposed to do. Because that's when I realized what I was actually supposed to do. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I was at fault, and <laughs> I realize it, that's the that's 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 what happens to most of us, right? We realize it a couple of years later, or maybe three four years later. That okay, this is what I should have done. Now I realize, but now it feels like it's too late. So we cannot go back there that's what happened with music that's what happened with cricket and that's what happened with so many other things
0: yeah <laughs> yeah i think growing up in the 90s we all thought about playing cricket for india at one point or, or the other you know hitting that last ball six to win the match uh, <laughs> like like you just get out of the shower and you are like oh my god is there, there is alan donald or someone bowling and i'm gonna smash them out of the park and exactly. then debut at the age of 16 or whatever and then you slowly <laughs> grow up you slowly grow up you hit 16 and you have not done anything in life and then Healthy, like, yeah. well someone else debuted at 20 irfan pathan debuted at 20 so there is still a chance yeah. but well it <laughs> <laughs> just didn't happen yeah, that's it. life life
1: happens after that life happens for some weird reason so yeah. yeah
0: i mean that's
1: it, it's good in one way but at the same time uh, that that's never going to leave us like what you said we'll always be the man of the match in the world cup And then uh, the most, the the funniest thing was uh, I was not that good at uh, spoken English back then. So, what I, the the one thing that I feared the most was going to the presentation ceremony and then talking in English to Ravi (laughs) Shastri, as if I've accomplished everything else apart from that in cricket. So, the one thing that I used to do was I used to sit down and write my uh, acceptance speeches, like they are presenting me the man of the match award. So, I used to take phrases from Omar Dasaruddin what uh, Ajay jadeja is speaking what Sachin is speaking Dravid and everything I have to like form sentences and then I used to memorize that and uh this, I mean looking back at it right now is funny but I can't believe how stupid I was back
0: <laughs> yeah we all have done it uh, uh, I mean you know, what is so funny is when when you are going through that process you don't realize you feel like you are the only one and then you know once you grow up and then once you have you are in your 20s or whatever, And you talk to other people, and it's it's eerily similar. The thought process, everything (laughs) is so similar. Uh, Mm. It's it's crazy. I mean, uh, especially the 90s. I mean, the 90s cricket was something else, wasn't it? I mean, um, you know, all these guys. Just yeah, just look at the footages back then. No, it
1: looks like a sea of people are there. Even now, it's like houseful, but you don't get exactly that. Why back then it was like crazy. It looks like. Okay, anytime there is going to there is going to be a stampede in the stands or something like that, and the energy was on on a different level. That too we had not uh, HD quality video and all back then. Normal, uh, your whatever you want to call it right now, 360p or 720p. That's so that's what we got back then. The audio quality did not even capture the entire sound of the audience, but the vibe was altogether completely different. I mean, I look at the stands; even there were not even chairs. I, I used to go to Chennai Stadium, MA Dam Stadium and all. It was just the stairs, the gallery kind of stairs. And people used to go berserk for every four, every six, for every weekend and everything. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's nostalgia, right? You know, there is a
0: video on YouTube uh, of a 1966 test match. Uh, I forget between who and who. Uh, India, obviously, India and the West Indies. You should see the crowd in in Chennai. Uh, like full packed stadiums and uh, and I still remember uh, I mean I still watch the footage of 1996 India Pakistan game in Bangalore
1: oh Uh, crazy (laughs) I mean that
0: crowd is absolutely crazy and I think somewhere down the line we have had so much cricket that there is just not uh, I mean the enthusiasm has not caught up and I think in the 90s there were these triangular series and I mean series were not as many so I think we just have that Yeah. yeah And watching cricket was also a community activity, you know, I mean, not every house had a television, so people from the neighborhood. So there was like a mini stadium kind of an experience. Um, And and talking about uh, that, I think uh, some of the theater companies uh, like the PVR Cinemas and uh, I don't know, Inox, they are all going to convert theaters into like a mini stadium, like a fan experience. And (laughs) Uh, yeah, because I don't think the movies are doing pretty well, so they are like, uh, you know, we may anything start... anything that gets
1: anything that gets people to the theaters. Yeah,
0: yeah, like IPL, right? I mean, IPL if you stream, it's it's okay. Uh, there's a lot of fandom for that, uh, but yeah, things have changed dramatically, especially <laughs> from the nineties. Yeah, um, cool. so uh, again, typical engineer to comedian transition. I mean, I think there are a lot of, uh, a lot of you guys out there, right? Everyone did engineering, moved to comedy. Uh, yep. But uh, do, do you think writing was your fundamental passion, your fundamental love? Uh, or was it always comedy?
1: No, I think more than writing, I like to, I always had an interest in talking on stage, in front of people with a mic. Because, uh, Like most of the kids, I like the attention that you get because you get on stage. I used to participate in a lot of this, uh, you know, oratorical competitions in school. Doesn't matter which language I used to participate in. English, Tamil, Hindi and all I used to participate. I have no idea because my father speaks Hindi. So he'll write a speech and then I'll memorize it and then I'll go. All I wanted to do was just get on stage and then I want to talk. So because it's
0: Was the the Hindi something like Bhagiraj's Hindi? Ah no, not <laughs> he actually studied Hindi. So, but the way I spoke,
1: maybe that that heavy accent would have been that it, it would it would have been like only. Uh, but uh, he wrote proper Hindi because he he knows and he speaks well. So I I used to do that mainly because anything that got me on stage, uh, um, where I can go and speak or even sing for that matter, or or, or I can do something there. That attracted me a lot. I used to participate in that kind of events in almost every avenue that I got as a kid. There will be this this like uh, colony association programs happening. And uh, so everywhere. I j- I'll just give the name. It doesn't matter what event that is. I just want to go there. And especially if it is something uh, where I have to get on stage and then I have to talk. That interested me so much. And... Uh, uh, writing is something that i wanted to do but i quickly realized that i'm not good at it uh because i used to i started reading a lot i used to read a lot in school in college uh, that habit completely disappeared for me i don't know why because i was much more interested in roaming around hanging out with friends and everything and once after uh, college when i had to travel for work the travel itself will take a lot of time one hour one and a half hours so that's when i picked up the reading habit again and That's when I got even more interest in uh, writing something, uh, which is basically short stories or uh, episodic stories, something like that. I just wanted to do it always. What were
0: the things you read at the time?
1: No, a lot of Tamil books. Uh, That's when I got exposed to uh, what we call as uh, proper serious literature. Um, Because in Tamil, there is this bifurcation that always is there. One is called as the commercial literature, which is almost non-existent right now. And then there is, <clears throat> people attribute something as serious literature. So, there were a specific set of writers that you need to read. It's basically like graduating from your uh, primary school to high school, no? That kind of a uh, thing. So, um, I that's when I started picking up literature. One thing led to another and then I started reading all these novels. It had a such a huge impact. Uh, I realized, okay, stories are like this. It's not your typical... Uh, cinema kind of stories. It's not fake. These are real. Because sometimes you get to question like, oh, is, that, is that the end? That's, that's not the end. That's not how it's supposed to be. Shouldn't the character come and save right now? Shouldn't there be a heroic moment? Or... No. Uh, then I realized like, stories are basically vignettes of somebody's life. And that's what they represent it as short stories. And it had such a profound impact. And I, every time I read a writer, I read their influences and Then I get to read something else. It might be from world literature. It might be from Tamil literature or something like that or translated works from some other language. Uh, That's when I started thinking, okay, why can't we also dabble in writing? And then I started writing and used to write in my office blogs and all. So I used to write funny uh, blog posts, but sometimes I wanted to do something very serious, you know, show myself as, oh my God, look, look at me. I'm like this artsy, artsy guy. But I very, very quickly realized that, okay, I'm faking it. (laughs) And uh, so, uh, that's also, it it, like overlapped. The time I started, wanted to be a writer and the time I started pursuing stand-up comedy, almost kind of overlapped. Uh, That's when I realized, okay, I do much better talking uh, wise rather than writing wise because uh, writing was like, I I couldn't, uh, my thoughts were running a lot more faster than my pen. Um, so I realized okay maybe this is not for me let's stop it here let's try this and that's how it worked so but some people might argue like even for a stand-up comedian you have to be a good writer but that's a whole other thing Uh, uh, this is not like the same as like proper writer writer kind of stuff writing
0: yeah I mean writing has so many aspects to it right like you know some people who can think like you said you can think fast but you can't completely put those thoughts on paper and some I mean it also happens at work where some people are better communicators over email some people talk well uh, some people have this like they can just talk I mean they can put words together so uh, nicely and uh, I mean the reason why I asked you about writing is I had um, GK on my on my on one of my episodes and he he loved writing first so writing comedy was one of his first passions and then he started to uh, do stand-up comedy so and i've ha- i've heard about this relationship between writing and comedy uh, from a lot of lot of other people and uh, like you rightly pointed out a good writer need not be a good comic because i think comedy also has its own um, you know different layers which we will get to eventually but uh, uh, but yeah so coming back to
1: that's your... Also, mm, go ahead. Sorry sorry for interrupting. But that's also the case, actually. A uh, uh, lot of people... Um, the, the one thing that I realized was written humor and then the spoken humor or whatever you want to call it, stand-up comedy is not the same thing. So because there is a whole other grammar uh, for writing as such. So if you look at... If you read somebody like Dave Barry, it, it sounds very funny when you read it. But when you read it out loud as a comedic routine, it will not be that impactful. So I, when I realized that, that's when I had to like make this kind of choice. Okay, when I write, I write like this. But I cannot just memorize the same thing and then I have to go and perform. Because it's not creating the same kind of impact that it created Like when I hand out the paper to somebody and they read it and they thought it was funny. So when I'm going and doing, I realize that, okay, I'm performing. And when I'm performing, the text is just a guide it's like a it's just like an outline of what i'm going to say the flavor is all there only when it comes to performance that comes with voice modulation your facial expressions your body language and all those all those things so that difference is also the case uh, people mainly assume that people who write funny are generally funny people i have met so many people who write amazingly funny stuff i i still remember uh, an ex colleague who She was. uh, She used to write blog posts, and her posts were so funny. But when you go and talk to her, she's like so. I don't. I don't even. I can't even say introverted. But she's very soft. She's just very casual, and just you. You will never realize that this is the lady who wrote such funny posts in the first place. So it's people like uh, them. When I when I started meeting them, talking to them, and then I, I started reading them, I clearly understood how comedy works in different different spaces so yeah yeah just wanted to like uh, mention that that's it
0: yeah yeah I, I think that's that's totally true i mean good writers need not make good, good comics and and i guess vice versa as well um <laughs> was there a trigger point where you realized that comedy is something that i'm good at you know i need to be serious about it uh, was there a turning point in your life or an inflection point
1: Ideally, the turning point should have been uh, when I won the second place in my office comedy club event. So uh, I'm pretty sure you would have heard, but I just mentioned it briefly because I started doing stand-up comedy uh, only during my office days. They used to have this thing called as comedy club uh, in my office where they uh, gather a few set of employees. And then there will be like mimicry artists, mime artists, stand-up comedians. But and stand-up it
0: up. comedy had not caught up back then, right? Like, like... It it was, but it was
1: at a very, very nascent stage, no? It was just coming up. It was just coming up. And it was not that popular also. It was what era are we are talking about? Up. It should be 2014-15. Hmm. Uh, uh, if you look at
0: that time,
1: it was quite popular in Mumbai and Bangalore. It was like a very hot trending thing. I think Kenny so, had just
0: started and all of that, right?
1: Yeah. Everybody, everybody just started at that time. Kenny, Kanan, Biswa, and, uh, there was Praveen Kumar, Raj Shekhar, and, uh, so many people like that. One seeder was there. And, and Avom also came up during that time only. All we had, uh, KKSA, Bala, Rajiv, and all these guys. So, Ashwin Rao. So, everybody started, uh, that time only, um, it was uh, it was very hot trending thing it was like the how st- the startups were trending during the early tw- tw- 2009 2010 that kind of impact uh, stand up comedy was having like four years later uh, all over india and in tamil nadu it was just beginning we had uh, few name comics and of course the popular ones were kk and sa at that time and sa was just becoming popular he was just becoming that uh, comic and KK already have, was famous and he was already doing bigger shows. So they, they were all starting at that time. So that's when I started pursuing... I, I did this comedy club thing. Um, so there was this grand finale that happened in front of 500 employees in my office. And Crazy Mohan, who's a great comedic writer and a screenwriter and playwright. So he was there as the chief guest for the event. And I got to, uh, and I got the like prize from him, the second place. Uh, for anybody that... That should be the ideal trigger point. When you write a story, uh, that should be the trigger point. But it, that's not how it happened. Because I realized that, okay, uh, this is a good, it's like a very good uh, time. I, I just went and I performed. But then I realized, don't be, don't get delusional. Okay. Uh, you just got it. It's a fluke. It just happened. But that doesn't mean that you have to seriously pursue it. Uh, stick to your first thing, which is to somehow travel to US. Uh, Get on-site, get visa, some more travel to us. That was my aim back then. So, I forgot about it. I forgot about uh, getting the uh, uh, prize and everything. Okay, it happened. So, then what what happened was I started getting calls from more and more teams from my company. So, they started inviting me to little events. Like some, some conference would go on. They'll ask me to come and break the ice with employees. Some team outing will happen, they'll call me, some uh, 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 town hall meeting will happen, they'll call me. So, I kept getting these calls again and again and again and again. And uh, I, I, I'm I pretty sure I think that I was not that good back then, for sure. Uh, but a lot of people said like, okay, uh, uh, of the other stand-up comedians that we invited, I think you sound pretty good because i used to crack all the it jokes and internal jokes back then so they thought okay because they can relate it i'm very funny so so they they asked me to like pursue this is this happened over a uh, span of 3 months something like that and i also hosted a, a very big event in my company like uh, I did proper NC and hosting for a cultural event in my company and uh, the hrs were like full of praise so i thought okay uh, so they also said like okay, try this, try this if you want to. And I already knew Manoj because he was also uh, part of the comedy club in my company. Manoj Prabhakar is another stand-up comedian uh, from Chennai. So that's when I asked Manoj, like, how exactly do I go about this? What exactly should I do? I really want to try or dabble uh, into stand-up comedy somehow Uh, just just to get the experience of it. And he introduced me to the open mic scene in Chennai and... uh, It was a group called Chennai Comedy back then. And they used to conduct open mic quite regularly. And that's when, uh, I don't know whether I started taking it seriously. That's when I started doing it regularly. So, yeah. And uh, it became much more serious when I switched to Tamil completely. So, I was doing it in English back then. So, English and everybody was doing it. And uh, just like a typical comedian coming up through any comedy scene, I was disgruntled was angry that I'm not getting the opportunity, that there is a big conspiracy against me and people don't want me to grow. And all these stupid thoughts used to come and cloud my mind. But uh, I then I switched to Tamil stand-up comedy around 2016. So I started doing open mic in 2014, 2015, I guess. Not 2014, 2015, it should be the correct year. 2015 is when I did the company event and 2015 is when I started doing open mics. Twenty sixteen, uh, because of uh, because a good friend of mine, Anna Malay, he started a group called Tanglish Comedy. then switched to Tamil stand up comedy, and then I realized uh, a, a whole other venue uh, getting opened uh, for me. Like I I could see completely different market altogether. There is this huge reception that came for people who are very much interested to know how stand up comedy can be done in Tamil. Not the typical TV style stand-up comedy, right? So, this is like uh, whatever that we see in clubs and everything. But it's done in Tamil instead of English. Uh, because back then, even in clubs, they will not prefer Tamil stand-up comedians because they think that it's okay, that it's kind of very local. We don't want... We are a little bit upmarket uh, place and everything. So, they they we, we actually went and tried like trying to do Tamil stand-up comedy. But you cannot blame them because their reference was completely different. Their reference was, okay, this is not something that we want. You want something else. So, <clears throat> that's when uh, I... Uh, uh, when Tamil started opening up, when I started performing in Tamil, uh, I, I then realized that all these kind of uh, the, the premonitions that people will have, no? Tamil stand-up comedy is like this. It's not as good. So, all these things are just fake because people started embracing everybody who used to come for the same stand-up comedy who which we did in English, the same people came for the Tamil stand-up comedy show because everybody knew Tamil. It was such such an open idea. It was right there, but we didn't see it. So, I think that's when I started taking it seriously because when I started performing in Tamil, I felt much more comfortable. I felt much more natural. And then I realized, okay, now I can do it. I can do whatever that I think is funny in exactly the way that I have seen people do it before me. So, which is in Patimandram or which is in cinema, movie, dialogues or in stage plays and everything. So, now I realized, said, okay, now, uh, uh, okay, I'm I'm part of this new grammar in comedy and this grammar is very fresh. So, when I present it in that way with a bit of mixture from the usual American stand-up comedy structure, it's going to look so fresh. And uh, when I started, uh, when people started appreciating me more and more for that, and that's when I started taking it seriously and, of course, the music came in later and it changed my uh, profile a bit more. So I think yeah. multiple points, I can say. Mm. One thing led to another, chain reaction.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we all underestimate the power of regional languages. Um, I was uh, interviewing, uh, well, I was, uh, you know, talking to Amit Verma, who is one of the uh, biggest podcast yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: In india legendary podcast yeah legendary yeah.
0: podcaster and uh, he was on my show um, like the, the the previous episode and he mentioned sorry me,
1: sorry for the interruption sorry for the interruption how do you get time to listen to his podcast because they are like 5 <laughs> hours 6 hours and so, then sometimes
0: yeah. so so uh, i mean uh, this is a technique that i got from krish uh, ashok uh, who was also on his show uh, and mine uh, is that you know li- listen to it in 2x because they did this <laughs> really profound oh, deep conversations right yeah, and yeah. uh so yeah that's what he advises and uh, so i asked him how do you listen to your own episodes is that uh, once he gets his edits he listens to them in 2x or 3x and his oh my god yeah and he his, edits he edits, no, he no, edits he no, no, no. no 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 oh he okay 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 he has oh, uh okay. he has an editor his name is Gow, Gow, Gautam or Gaurav Chintamani he was a guitarist for the band Advaita uh, oh yeah 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 so uh, wow so so he edits his podcast uh, but after the edit he has to go through the edits once again right so mm. that he does in do 2x speed is what I meant oh my god yeah but I'm uh, extremely sorry for the digression yeah, oh no 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 that's, that's totally fine uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna edit this this is gonna go on you know, the, the, no, the thing is, it's, it's actually fascinating because uh, one thing really uh, hit me when he said is that, you know, sometimes when you listen to something uh, at 2XA, you cover the same amount of material in half the time. And then the second thing is that brain has the capability to process more than, uh, I don't know, like 1500 words per minute or something. And then it somehow just normalizes is, is what he says. Uh, and I think it makes sense. You know, I've tried listening to uh, things at 1.5 X. The only episode that I cannot is Krish Ashok's because he speaks fast and I cannot <laughs> do 1.5 on this. Oh yeah. 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 yeah uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, what a, what a guy, I think uh, he can speak at 1.5 X. Uh, I mean, 5 X of normal people, but still make sense and still be coherent yeah. and still not, you know, uh, Search for words and all of that, which exactly, is
1: incredible. Exactly. It's also like he prepares a speech and then comes for every podcast. I mean, that blows my mind away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I had a chance to do interview him as well during the, one of the lockdown things. So when we were talking about food and everything. So of course, I I just finished Masala Lab and then I had a lot of questions I wanted to ask. It was fun. It was a really fun
0: podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But anyway, coming back to the point where we started Amit Verma uh, in one, I mean, in one of my episodes and in uh, like, a uh, you know, they have these conclave events, right? So he was saying that regional languages are really powerful and and we sometimes underestimate the power because, you know, even though we learn English in school, you know, some of us maybe spoke at home, uh, English at home. Uh, Is that... You know, ultimately, we think in our regional language. We think in our mother tongue, so that becomes so much more re- relatable than in English. And there are some things, some jokes that would only make sense in Tamil. Uh, because you know, I'm following uh, Revichandra and Ashwin's YouTube channel and Krishnamachari Srikanth's YouTube channel. I mean, some of the things I-, I wonder if there is an English equivalent to it, and there isn't. So uh, glad you switched to Tamil, and I think Tanglish. Uh, is, is a great medium because, yeah. uh, you can say some things in English, you can choose to say some things in Tamil and all of that. So, uh, yeah, I think, um, so the music came in later and, uh, uh and talking about music, did you have, like, were you a fan of, uh, any particular music director growing up, uh, or like, were you a film music buff at all?
1: Uh, no, I will never call myself any buff at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, I uh, I used to listen to music primarily because that's what you... I mean, uh, what else did we have for past time? It's just like... There used to be this uh, channel called SCV that used to run in the background. Pyramid so, and all of that. Yeah, all those things. So, it's just songs after songs after songs. A dizzying array of songs will play without even an ad break, without any... Uh, host or uh, anything like that, VJs or anything like that. So, I used to listen to that. I used to, because I used to sing uh, back then, as I said, any any opportunity to get me on stage and talk talk or sing in front of a mic, I'll do that. So, I used to go get these cassettes and then we also had this as a pastime wherein we used to go for this audio cassette shops uh, which are non-existent or maybe they are here and there a few places only. Audio cassette shops where uh, we pirate Uh, our own mixtape from latest film songs all those things we used to do (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it was actually, uh,
0: you know, uh, we could get it done at 15, 20 rupees, and the new one would exactly. cost 45, 50, you know, which is a <laughs> yeah, huge yeah, sum yeah, of yeah. money. Yeah. Biggest, yeah,
1: 15, 20 rupees, you guess, you you can just pick and choose the biggest hits. So that's also something that we can do. So the, the audio cassette guy, the, that uh, he will say, okay, this song is good from this movie. I just heard it. I'll mix this for you, and you get five, six new songs. Then what I used to do was, then I go and listen back to it. And then I try to transcribe the lyrics to my knowledge. And that was the most challenging part. If you take uh, some of the songs, it will be very simple. Basically, if you take uh, 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 straightforward, if SPB or Aishudas or somebody like that sings, you're of course going to get what the lines are. It's just very easy to transcribe. Then you get to deal with uh, Udit Narayan and Shukwinder Singh. And that's when it becomes challenging. So, that's when the lyrics get innovative. So, these are all my pastimes. So, somehow, I grew up around music uh, everywhere and then listening to all these songs. So, music was always a part. And I, of course, went to the class because my uh, father and mother thought that I actually was singing well. Maybe, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Uh, so, I used to go to music classes and all, but I was not at all interested in that structural, structural kind of learning. You have to sit down, you have to do this thing, I pointless for me because i i was more interested in creating sounds rather than just repeating sounds so i wanted to learn instruments i wanted to learn flute or violin or something like that where i can just because that fascinated me even more like the very fact that you are taking this piece of two pieces of wood and then you are rubbing it against each other and for some reason sound is coming it's quite that magical, was much yeah. more yeah it it, it it felt very magical to me rather than just using your voice i didn't realize what i had back then of course i had if I did go through the proper training, maybe I would have been an amateur singer somewhere singing chorus somewhere. But anyway, uh, so that's what I realized. And uh, because I grew up around music, it was always a part. I, I never felt it left me. Uh, I picked up guitar very late. Only during my college days, I picked up guitar. And I picked it up mainly because of this band called Mother Jane. Um, and uh, it was an uh, that is probably like one of the watershed moment for me. With respect to independent music in uh, India, at least I can say. Bhai Before that, Darmajan, I... all those guys. Oh, thank you. You know Bijudarman, right? Yeah. Of, course, to me, of he's, course. he's the guitar god for me. So uh, uh, it's 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 exactly Bijudarman who inspired me to take the guitar because the first time I heard him play, the first time I heard uh, "Chasing the Sun," and then the solo hits you, right? And then I I. I still remember listening to it in my friend's room because he just wanted, uh, he just wanted me to, he just wanted to introduce to all of us, uh, that there is this new band that opened for Opeth in IIT Sarang. and uh, he said it's an Indian band. I said, ah, Indian rock music? It's going to be boring. It's either going to be metal or it's going to be some popish thing that you see in B4U music or MTV. So. And uh, because majority of the Indian bands back then was like inspired by Metallica or Slayer or Megadeth, it used to be very heavy. So Indian I Ocean heard the... was
0: quite popular. I think Indian Ocean was. And, uh, yeah, it's a, I thought it's it was a... too mainstream. I yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. But Mother Jane was like you said. You know, it was. Mother Jane was. Mother Jane was. It happened at the right time. Yeah. It it
1: introduced me, and then I listened to Chasing the Sun, and then I I couldn't stop listening to it. I just kept listening to the guitar solo over and over again till a point of time where I can actually mumble the entire solo note for note. Uh, even to this day, uh, I don't even remember lyrics from the entire Maktub album, but I, I remember most of the solos. I can sing note for note. Uh, if you just call me, like I, I'll, I'll be able to do it. Because that's how, how much I used to listen to it. But how, that's how much I was passionate about it. And Baiju Darmajan was uh, the, the greatest guitar. It was not Jimi Hendrix, Clapton, nobody. It was Baiju Darmajan for me. So I thought that if he can produce such beautiful sound of this instrument i would at least want to learn it i I may not produce the same kind of sound but i just at least want to learn and then i want to feel like okay something beautiful like that can be done that's how i started i wanted to learn guitar very badly started practicing i used to practice because this was in college second year third year that time engineering college so uh, after finishing the college after i come back home and i have nothing else to do i just used to sit and practice for four hours and five hours together and this is not even like songs This is just like playing the G chord and the C chord again and again till I get it right. Because that's how how much I wanted to become a musician. I just wanted to be uh, another Baiju and start my own Mother Jane and then do all those things. Just like I said, (laughs) it didn't happen for a lot of different reasons.
0: You were trying all of that in an acoustic guitar. Yeah. How silly, no? (laughs) Uh, yeah because electric guitar was costly man my parents
1: like of course they didn't get me the electric guitar because they said why do you want an electric guitar First, you learn to play in this so I got a second hand acoustic guitar of which uh, part of the money I paid for my own expense because I used to go to symposium and get all this money uh, uh try to win competitions like quiz and all those things so i'll just go and then i'll try to win that and they'll give me some sort of money and i'll try to use that money to get whatever i want i wanted to get a phone very badly i wanted to get a smartphone very badly back then because it was just coming up all these android one uh, those kind of things are just coming up i just wanted to get that but then guitar happened so i just wanted to get a guitar so i put a little bit of my own money into that and then my father gave me an extra money so i got a second hand guitar i started playing there Ah, uh, playing with that, and uh, you know that's uh, that's how much so ah uh, 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 to answer your first question, I, I I don't know. I think I went so many, so many places
0: that's the anyway, whole point
1: <laughs> so... <laughs> so music was always there. Music has always been there. Uh, I didn't listen to it in a very critical or analytical way, not like a buff kind of thing. When I, okay, did you look at the second interlude of this song and what exactly uh, it's, it's, it is in this ragam or it is uh, in this scale and they use this mode and then the transition happened between there is a nothing like that. I don't know. I don't do all those things. I just listen because something works and something doesn't. And I just don't restrict myself to any sort of genre. So I, I was. I wanted to listen to everything as much as possible. If some, some, somebody in some internet forum says that this song is so good, I just wanted to go and listen. Uh, uh, maybe I might not like it at the first go, but there is a reason why people are hailing this as the greatest song. And uh, in by that way, you discover a lot of new artists. That's when I realized that uh, not all songs need to work all the time. So sometimes some songs will work amazingly well, uh, depending upon your mood or depending upon... Some unexplainable mood will not will be there. No, It's not always black and white. You're not, not, not going to be happy or sad at all the times. There are so many layers in between. You'll not be angry or disappointed all the time. There will be so many layers. So for each and every mood, some songs will work. Some songs will work like crazy. And then I used to realize that this is the song that I hated when I listened to it first. But now it sounds amazing. So I started discovering more and more. So the college time was much more productive because... I happen to have friends who are also equally passionate about music. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was always that. So the fact that it entered into my stand-up comedy routine, I think it's just an eventuality. It, it had to happen at some point of time. And
0: yeah, luckily it
1: happened. No. Yeah,
0: yeah people sometimes forget, uh, you know, what big names, Mother Jane and Aviel and, you know, the album oh. Maktub was oh. such a, I mean, it was huge. Like people sometimes don't, uh, realize, and I I don't know why,
1: what what is working on right now. I mean, it's it's been. I think he's situation. working. Yeah, I, I I think I I saw a couple of videos uh, with him and Suraj Mani doing something, but I think the band the that is the Mark II lineup, right? The which Deepu and uh, John and uh, Clyde. Those guys, I think they're all pursuing their own independent projects. They're still there in music scene but in a different manner altogether. So they sometimes collaborate, they do different stuff and I, I don't think so Mother Jane as a band is back yet. No, I don't I, so. I really, I really wish they are. But I, I still remember the day when Baiju left Mother Jane. It was like such a heartbreak and uh, me and a couple of my other friends, I mean, we started ranting, we started feeling for it. And now uh, I... I, I even... Uh, at Sometimes I used to think that when people do that, it, it so, sounds so pretentious. It's just feeling for a band breaking up, come on. Like, we have much more important things in life. But I realized at that point of time when Baiju left and... Uh, uh, and then what exactly is going to happen to Mother Jane and all this. Yeah, it's a crazy time. Like, what yeah, do you th- say? This I like... mean, there
0: was, uh, I think there was Agni Parikrama in the north. I think there was Euphoria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Euphoria. Real,
1: Euphoria. Think... Euphoria was, uh, yeah, Euphoria and all were like much more mainstream. So when you switch on MTV, they used to come. Yeah. So I used to, I never realized, I, I never understood who, what is rock, what is pop and nothing like that because everything that uh, then is, is non-pigual music. Then there is is... Indie pop. I have no idea. I used to listen, I because when I was young, I used to listen to Bombay Vikings and all, so I had no idea. I thought that okay, they were they were just like pop group. Okay, everything that is non film is called as a pop group. So Indian Ocean is pop, and uh, Euphoria is pop. Euphoria was much more popular. I remember and Bombay Vikings and and uh, Colonial Cousins. All these things I used to listen non film music, but never uh, uh, like I I didn't realize that. Uh, uh, there was such a big rock history in Kerala with respect to 1380 and Avil and oh, Madhurjain yeah. and all these. Guys. Yeah, 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 Those guys are like.
0: I mean, Kerala, I think what happened during that time was there were a few channels. There was a channel called Rose Bowl. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think it was aired outside of Kerala. But again, extremely yeah. great production quality. Some of their videos are still available on YouTube. Where uh, there, was, ah. yeah, there was one session where uh, singer Karthik just goes on. I mean, he is in like this exploratory thing about with Hindolam and, you know, Raga based thing like, uh, Paniviram Malarvanam. He just goes on and on and on about it. Oh, so, improvises. Yeah. Improvises. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. uh, there are some videos. I think this was before Music Mojo and obviously Music Mojo just took it to another level. I think that yeah, it yeah, completely yeah. took, uh, you know, Taikudam bridge and, you know, so many people came out of that. Right. I mean, uh, Hari Shivaramakrishnan, Madonna Sebastian uh, also sang for Music Mojo and all
1: of that. So, do uh, I don't know that. Yeah, 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 Music Mojo was, uh, I think that was our own version of the South Indian version of the Coke studio. No? So, it is much more, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen almost all the prominent musicians who are right. I mean, even Pradeep Kumar, Sean Rolden, and, and uh, Kalyani Nair, and all these people, they were there in Music Surat Mojo, like, innovating. Surat Santosh, yeah. So, they were like, uh, innovating even back then and they were improvising, they were doing this crazy weird cappella arrangement of popular Tamil songs and all. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that was great. I'm, I, I've i not seen Rose Bowl but Music Mojo I think is quite popular now. Yeah, That's I
0: don't it. know what happened to Rose Bowl. So Rose Bowl was this really, uh, I don't know, it was like a small channel in, in Canada. Yeah. I think it used to come with one particular cable network but it oh. was there for like three, four years and then it closed. Uh, but... It had some amazing music. Uh, I don't know if you know uh, Job Korean. And they had a band as well. Uh, he, he's he's a very famous singer based out of Kerala. So they had a band. I think it was called Talam. I mean, the song was called Thalam, and all of that. So a lot of independent musicians came, out of, came wow. from that period and from that channel. Uh, yeah, it's all about uh, getting opportunities, right? I mean, there was no YouTube. So this was... So really the TV amazing. time
1: was yeah tv time was so yeah yeah because i have what i've
0: heard from uh, old old timers from the movie industry is that uh, you know in the 90s it was just yeshudas chitra and a few other uh, singers who would get the opportunity and i mean there's a lot of conspiracy <laughs> theories that oh they would not let someone else sing but you know some the reality is that the producers were producers knew that only this is going to sell so they were like yeah. you know five songs, all of them, Yeshudas and Chitra, nobody else uh, gets anything. And there I may be like that's... this one odd track uh, yeah. that might release and all of that.
1: Same thing, I think, with respect to all the other languages, I guess. In Telugu and Tamil, it was predominantly SPB and it was Janaki and uh, Chitra. You know, SPB ob- is obviously.
0: crazy. He he ruled
1: Kannada, Telugu, Kannada, Telugu, Tamil. Oh my God. Unreal, no? Unreal, so, yeah. That's the same thing. That's the same thing with the Yeshudas also. I... I uh, because my wife is from Kerala, I, I I could really see the impact of what exactly Ashutosh meant. Uh, because I know that I I was a big fan of Ashutosh actually. Growing up, I used to love all his Tamil songs because his Tamil songs were not. He he, he has this knack of singing all these somber, uh, something sometimes moody, very philosophical songs and all. Uh, not a lot of romantic and jolly songs that SPB used to sing. Uh, so, I used to love Yeshudas songs because it was it, it resonated so much but then I realized once I uh, realized when I went to my wife's relatives place and all I realized what a big deal Ishidas was was yeah. uh, to all those people and my my father and all he'll go nuts with respect to Yeshudas he'll, he'll, he'll never say Yeshudas song is very bad even though it is very average I know it is very average I'll say okay what is that in this song my wife will say it is very average but he'll never admit it that's it's such a craze with respect to Eshadas, I, I, I never realized it uh, anywhere else. So, yeah, talking, is, no?
0: talking about this somber songs, uh, I mean, reminds me of Alexander's piece about uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I so it, no? so, uh, yeah, I mean, Eshadas has this bhakti uh, tone with him. Yeah, mean, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, that's that's why we could never buy it. I know, I, I. Because there is something when he sings, he sings songs like Amma and Raika, the We Relate, such a uh, it automatically elevates it to some some sort of a devotional song kind of level. Right. I mean, he has sing Tanni Toti Thedi and all in Tamil also, but still, I'm just talking. Uh, but whatever Alex said is a great observation because when ashada's voice comes, it's a completely different feeling that circles you. <laughs> when SPB sing, SPB also has sung a lot of songs in Shankara Barnam and all those things, that movie, sung a lot of uh, songs, but SPB, uh, uh, because he was everywhere. Uh, you know, for uh, people who grew up listening to Tamil music, he ruled from 80s to 90s. And even during the early 2000s, he was there almost everywhere. Every hero introduction song, he has to sing and all those things. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's... that's I think we we identify like that, right? Because my wife always used to say like, uh, uh, if there is a song that is on Mamuti's face or Mohanlal's face, she cannot imagine anybody else other than ashudas voicing them. Even if it is somebody like M.G. Kumar, she'll feel like, okay, it's not, it's completely out of place. It has to be ashudas M.G. Kumar can sing for somebody else. So he, she'll always say, she'll always say when these kind of movies and all will come, no? What is it? Nandanam or whatever it is. Uh, uh, n- not Nandanam uh, uh, that Nagumo which movie I, I
0: don't know oh Chitram yeah yeah. Chitram Chitram, yeah So yeah, I honestly always... don't think uh, M.G. Srikumar was a great choice for that song because he does not have a huge Karnatic background and I think Yeshudas would have done uh, uh, yeah, yeah yeah. my wife always says that and she also says that the you know, reason fun that fact, is that... fun fact yeah. uh, Yeshudas has not sung for a lot of Priyadarshan movies
1: so, yeah, yeah. So
0: the story goes that there was a movie called Chip, which was remade as Namavar in Tamil. Uh, ah, so, oh, okay. Yeah. So it was released in 1987. Um, Mohanlal did, I mean, the role of Kamal Hassan, the college professor. And uh, I think something happened between Priyadarshan and Yeshudas and uh, he didn't like the director being on the set or whatever. According. And then after that, for none of the movies, uh, Yeshudas sang and I think he probably sang by... At the end of, I don't know. I mean, he's not singing a lot of songs these days, anyway. But I think uh, he probably sang much later uh, for Priyadarshan. But yeah, there was some Garma Garmi there.
1: I heard, I heard the story to be something different. She told me like, okay, because uh, Priyadarshan and M G. Kumar are best of buddies. Uh, they are,
0: they are. But yeah, uh, so uh, some, yeah. But but uh, Yeshudas has sung for uh, Priyadarshan's earlier movies. But yeah, I oh, yeah.
1: didn't know. Gossip theories, what it's kind that? of
0: yeah, that's kind of what is out there. Uh, that's but, true, that's yeah. true. But what a great movie, number one. I think, uh, uh, yeah, would definitely I enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy enjoy. Uh,
1: it's, it's just fun, it was fun back then, but yeah, even now,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> any, uh, any favorite music directors?
1: Uh, oh, yeah, that was the question, no, like, I. Because I grew up with music, there was not specific music directors and all. I used Just to love songs. Yeah, because that's that makes everything, right? You, you would call you yourself should... a Rahmaniac or a
0: Rahmaniac, yeah.
1: um, no? I, 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 of course, grew up listening to Rahman songs. If you're growing up in 90s, ar Rahman should have been a big part of your life. And uh, believe it or not, I... I'm actually a fan of the late nineties and early two thousands Elay Raja songs, which many people might not quote. It. Because whenever we say Ilai Raja, people always think about the eighties hits, which are of course great. So I used to like uh, his nineties songs as well in movies like Nilavey mugam Katu and all the like amazing. I used to love I used to love Veera, which is again a great uh, music, and Vurepali, which is also Ilai Raja. I love those songs. And of course, Rahman, you have Rahman, I mean uh, getting when a, when a new uh, movie with Rahman music comes, getting the cassette is always like a ritual. You get it. doesn't matter. You have to go and get it. Okay, if it is Mehmadam, you're going to get Mehmadam. And that's the first movie that made me a uh, uh, big fan of Rahman. Not Roja because I was too young. I was like probably three or four years old when Roja came out. I don't know. Uh, not, okay, Not even that. Maybe younger than that. Mm. I think it's 92, no? Roja. Yeah. So, I didn't realize how big Roja was for other people, because everybody else was noticing Roja. For me, the movie that hit me when when it comes to Raman was uh Margari Pule. You
0: know,
1: every song in that. For me, Minale was like one of the best songs in that album. and uh, I, I, just, I, I just can't stop listening to it. It's such a beautiful arrangement. And of course, SPB would have elevated that song to so such a different place altogether. And so many other directors, I mean, like you you grew up listening to Deva and Deva also started producing a lot of great songs. And he, obviously you go and get, uh, most of the Rajnikanth movies would have been, uh, uh, the music director would have been Deva. So you get those character assets as well. So I was not particularly a fan of a music director. I was a fan of albums, songs and all those things. And I think that was much more convenient. Sometimes just to pick fights with friends, I used to claim that I'm an L.A. Raja fan. Yeah. Those things. Yeah. Uh, but that's not exactly the case. Yeah, Same goes with the... Harish Jiraj. Which, uh, like when Harish Jiraj came, I was in my teens. That's the time when Harish Jiraj came and Minele was such a great album. You cannot pick one good song from that album. That's Even the smaller songs that come here and there, they were they were amazing. They were uh, that's the first time when I got the cassette, and there were like these BGM tracks, kind of kind of things were there, and uh, it was great. You know, after a long period of this uh, A R Raman domination, you get to listen to a music director who's coming, and then like in the first movie itself, making such a big impact. At the same time, Yuvan Shankar Raja was producing hits back to back. It was such a great period to be. i like, discovering these music directors one by one by one them producing gems back-to-back. It was crazy.
0: I have to tell you, your I- imitation of Yuvan Shankar Raja is the best I've <laughs> ever seen. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you. Thank I you so much. Think, thank uh, you so much. I think this is one of... I, I don't quite remember what, but you just nail it. Yeah. I think it's one uh, of the best pieces. <laughs> yo, yeah, thank you. Yeah, and talking about albums, I think Deva uh, Asai was fantastic. and Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and Ile Raja, you know, one of the... Uh, Obviously, Tevar Magan was was a fantastic album of Leharja, and yeah, of course. Uh, there are these songs like Marayvaridu, Marayvaridu, Kude Kunduva, and all of that. Yeah. Phenomenal yeah. songs, yeah. Uh, how do you like the music these days? Uh, after the Santosh Narayans and uh, Anirudh have come along, like do you like? You know, this is something that I deal with with uh, me and some of my Chitpas, dad's brothers, and they. Uh, I feel like some of them are stuck in time you know the songs that you grow up with is ultimately what you end up singing uh, and i have realized that about myself as well like you know favorite songs are usually from the 90s and uh, all of that i mean obviously there are few songs that are nice like maru arte was something that was amazing uh, and all of that but uh, uh what do you have to say about the the music these days uh see
1: of course, uh, uh, the boomer talk would be like the music back then was so good. Music these days, oh my God, it's too much of noise. I don't want to sound like that. <laughs> See, I of course, like what you said, every music director, they got there at that stage because they are so talented and they can produce a lot of great stuff. The one aspect of music, <clears throat> which I feel is not something that I'm too... Uh, 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 passionate about or i can say that not i like too of. much not not a fan of also i can say which is that uh i think there is a uh, a, pro, a, a pattern where uh, i don't know who but they want to extract every ounce from a music director as soon as possible because he produced a big hit or because he did something good yeah so,
0: do you think anirudh is being overused
1: anirudh yeah definitely yes anirudh i think i think he needs some space because uh uh, uh familiarity sort of it breeds contempt no so that's exactly what happened when you uh, put him in back to back in all the movies and it's only his sounds and his voice people started critiquing like okay the music for this movie is not good the song for this is not good and all these things you cannot say that about a music director who has given so many hits at various points of time Uh, I think everybody needs space because it's ultimately a creative space. Uh, If you keep pushing them uh, or uh, if, or maybe it's the music director's call, I don't know. Uh, I cannot even put uh, my finger on that. But you cannot keep manufacturing music after one after the other because that's how, that's what you end up doing when you have so much pressure. People will quote uh, Vile Raja as an example, like he did this. See, uh, there are always freak geniuses that happen once in a while. But that's not a pattern. That's not going to be an everyday issue. So, uh, if Ele Raja has done it, we just have to appreciate the fact that we get to listen to such a genius for a very long time. So, that's Stop it. Stop there. Ev- expecting everybody to be in the same way is ridiculous. Because everybody needs their own time and everybody needs their own space. Everybody said Santosh Narayan also is not like I don't know where he is I don't know what he is doing. But right now you come and see the reviews that he's getting for his Jigridanda Double X, and everybody is raving about his music. Why? Because. He has the talent, he definitely will be able to produce. Same, know, goes I'm, with I'm, I'm, same goes with any music director.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm so, quietly laughing because I mean, whoever listens to this on audio might not see this, but I'm laughing because when you mentioned Santosh Narayan, it <laughs> you're I automatically to yeah. no, I automatically <laughs> thought about you imitating Santosh Narayan. And, oh my god, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I had see this is
1: this is what is very lucky for me. So, when you mentioned about you and when you mentioned about Santosh Narayan, I had the chance to perform the same exact same bit in front of them. So and they were such good sports. They were really, really fun. And uh, and, I ha- and I had a chance to perform my imitation of D.E.M.A.N. songs in front of D.E.M.A.N. in my own show. So uh, uh, thinking about it now, it feels very surreal. But back then, it was just like Occurrence. And these guys were so chill. Because I know that I'm not uh, qualified enough uh, to critique any of their work. And I know that I'm just doing this for fun because it's just an observation. And they also realize the same thing. They are Because they also like this kind of fun. Because it's not any sort of intellectual uh, putting down or something like that. I know that this guy is just having fun with some of the stuff. So they also enjoyed it. So those moments are like... uh, Yeah, I mean, I always cherish. But back to what I'm trying... Yeah, Yeah, yeah. go ahead. ahead, ahead. That thing is there. That thing is there. So a lot of music directors... When they give one hit, I think they are being over. And it's not just about music director. It's about anybody. You just go to a content creator on Instagram. Uh, their reel might get viral. And then immediately there is a pressure for that content creator to do 10 reels, 20 reels in a span of 5 days. Like that's ridiculous, no? You cannot keep putting out something like that every day because you then uh, you might even end up hating whatever that you liked in the first place. Yeah. I think when it comes to creative uh, field, it's just my opinion. I don't know how uh, correct or wrong I am. I think every creator, every artist needs to be given some sort of space or room to create their magic. So when you listen to stories like, uh, uh, even listen to stories back then, no, like uh, 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 Kamal Hassan and Ilai Raja and Wali and all talking about how to do Kanmani and Bodu Kadalan song. You listen to the recording session on YouTube it's just just mind blowing that something like that could happen and then you listen to all these other music directors in US uh, or directors in US they are just uh, I I listened to this entire Denny Villeneuve uh, talk about how he got the uh, score from who is that I think Icelandic composer I forgot his name i think uh, i i heard you Johnson or something i don't know mm-hmm. some, some 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 okay so uh, so he sounds got icelandic the, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so he gave that much space and time for him to work on the sounds so and the music and everything you go listen to uh, the social network soundtrack and then you see how fincher gives this room and space for trent reznar and articus ross to work Give that space to most of the music directors. We will produce gems back and back to back to back to back. This kind of work pressure is not just about Anil. It's about any music director. If when you give that space with uh, necessary intrusions here and there, I think they will be able to produce a lot more gems uh, rather than just uh, like squeezing them into a machine and then extracting every single ounce from them and then chucking them away. Yeah, That's I have what noticed I this
0: with. Uh comedians also right i mean there is they come there is a three four years where they are in every single movie and then you know that's that's pretty much it you know the shelf life is too too small you know one thing that i've noted about singers is that uh you know i'm just gonna just gonna use Hariharan as an example i'm maybe i'm biased i'm a huge fan of his is that he does not sing a lot of songs like he will sing a song then move on with his guzzle concerts and all of that he'll do a do an odd Rahman show once in a while and then he'll come back sing for harris Jairaj or Rahman, and it's, it's like wow and then he'll take a break off of an year and or whatever and then he i think max he does is like five six playback song playback singing a year and but everything will be nice i mean uh but but having said that you know what is fascinating is uh you know actors like rajnikanth kamal haasan mohanlal Mamuti, I mean, all these guys they used to do a ton of movies in the 80s and the 90s i mean now they're doing like two movies a year or or, or a movie a year but i was looking at uh, mohanlal's filmography he in one year he did 36 movies and <laughs> and yeah and and yeshudas uh, used to sing like 16 17 songs per day and i don't know how they managed to do it and still be consistent and I've heard Vikram say this. Uh, uh, so so he used to do a lot of movies uh, during his initial days. And then he was like, I'm going to work extremely hard for a particular movie. And then, uh, so that started with Onion. And then after Onion, he did that movie with uh, Shreyasar and I forget the name. Uh, and then he did another movie after a couple of years. So he was working extremely hard. But everything else about the movie was not good and everything bombed you know, almost all of his movies bombed. And then uh, I remember Vikram saying in an interview that, you know, uh, this is not going to go well. So I'm going to, I'm going to do like at least two to three movies per year. Uh, So it's, it's tough to choose. But I think, I think you're right in saying that, you know, they can't just squeeze everything out of a music director because there's only so uh, much fuel left in the tank, right?
1: Correct. So this might not be the case with everybody. So uh, I, I remember listening to Jay Mohan at one point of time. So he mentioned, uh, uh, I think he was somebody was asking him a question about writer's block or something. So he said there was a phase in his life where he couldn't stop writing. So it's just that. Every day he just wanted to write, and write, and write, and write, and write, and write. write. Maybe some artists might have that urge to go back, to back, to back, to back again. Like what you said, uh, uh, singing 16, 17 songs a day is unreal. Because after we finish this talking, our throats will get sore. The fact that he was able to do that, same goes with SPB. Like how, How did he manage to sing so many songs across languages? and uh, i don't know how many recording sessions he did so same case with chitra janaki or anybody like that same case with like what we mentioned about ilai raja the fact that he was able to create music including background scores for movies under a day under a, it's it's unreal but what we have to understand is what is the how how exactly that creative space work only the artist will know so uh, beyond that when you start forcing they might not be able to produce it if you look at the contrast between him and uh, what uh, the when the, the period of ar rahman that's why there is a market difference this is why uh, I, I i always laugh at people comparing both of them because it is pointless because it's the artist decides how his cre- how their creative process works it's not anybody else if they produce a hit if you go them to ask okay you gave a hit no now give another hit for this movie maybe that artist might not be able to do. Maybe they need that headspace or maybe ne- they need to clear the headspace that they were in the previous movie. Maybe they were... But some artists might be able to do that. Some artists might be able to okay, I can switch like this. I can switch like that. I think it's... Uh, some Indian actor only who said, no, like... Uh, when I, when talking about method acting, he said, "I don't understand what method acting is." Mm. I Mohan the camera is on.
0: Quite, quite, Moonlal
1: quite says, it. Not. Yeah, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, exactly, Mohan yeah. Lal. So when the camera is on, I am the character. When the camera is up, I am back to who I who I am right now. But when you go and ask a method actor, they'll tell completely different things because I have to be in the character for long because that's that's my process. Yeah. So leave it up to the artist. Leave it up to the respect their process. If they say that they'll not be able to produce something that in a short span of time. Give them the space. Don't keep clouding them. Don't keep bombarding them with assignments. But uh, because of the advent of social media, like what you said, when a music director takes a break, uh, there is always a fear of missing out, right? People think that, okay, he's out of the limelight. He is not there in the market anymore. This guy is the number one. And that number one changes every week, uh, which is even more funny. Uh, how can you change the number one? Because uh, what people don't understand is legacy is not something that happens over a very short period period of time it does not happen over the course of one movie week release so that happens over a, a big body of work that you have to establish over a longer period of time so uh, i think i think respecting the space of the artist the creative space of the artist that will do a lot of wonders you don't have to work with the same person again and again one music director is giving a hit great but just because that music director gave a great album doesn't mean that that music director is going to work for your movie somebody else can do some magic uh, with it that you would have never thought about it mm-hmm. so that process is not there it's always about manufacturing and marketing right now So okay when we put this name in we'll get this much hits we have something to show there is no guarantee but that just gives a lot of relaxation to a lot of people saying that look we hit 7 million look we hit 10 million but ultimately what value that carries nobody knows there are a lot yeah. of 10 million 20 million songs that are right there that completely gone out of the guys. that's not there in people's mind. it's not there in playlists. People keep listening to the songs that they like. People keep watching the comedy bits that they like. People keep watching the movies that they like over and over again at various points of time. Doesn't matter if something is a hit right now. It always has to be. It doesn't matter if you create one moment in a two hours movie. That is not how the movie works. Even if there is not even a one moment, if the movie is good, people will come back and watch it. So that creative space that, when you give it to the artist. People will enjoy. People will cherish. This FOMO is a manufactured thing that is what is driving uh, people as well as the artist kind of insane is what I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think think you rightly uh, said and, you know, sometimes I feel like when it comes to music, like if, let's say, one album has a lot of songs and, uh, you know, one of it is like an item song, the other is like a, you know, mellow or like a sad song or whatever. Sometimes... It's, it's the item number that catches the numbers initially, but then, uh, you know, give it five years and it's usually the other uh, song, like the sad song that may ca- catch up. here. I mean, I saw that with Kabira from Ye Jawani Hai Diwani. I think uh, I loved the song initially, but it was the Batami's Dil and all the other songs that were, you know, uh, getting the limelight. But slowly people start to understand how good a song Kabira is. And now it's, you know, I think people love it. Um, yeah, I mean, also talking about, uh, music directors, we, we don't know what pressure they are. I mean, I'm pretty sure they'll have a lot of, uh, pressure from people that, Hey, you know, I made you big, you know, give it, give me a movie and all of that. So I mean, having this constant pressure of producing content, I mean, how, I mean, you might know how difficult it is to produce original content, right? Uh, it's extremely hard. It's, it's extremely hard and, uh, yeah. Uh, I, i've realized that with pritham and anirudh and, and a few others that uh, like also arjit singh i think so many songs a great singer fantastic singer but yeah you feel like they they have factories mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah um jagan uh, lots of international tours you might have done uh, how how has the experience been any any memorable incidents in any of those international tours
1: Memorable. everything was memorable for a different reason altogether. Mm. So, I think this show where I did I think it started in Singapore. So, that was the first international show that I did. And then it slowly, uh, I think I did it in a lot of places. I did for the first time, I think first ever time the show happened in Canberra and first ever Thomas show happened in Wellington in New Zealand. So, I think the one thing that I realized was there was so many... The surprising thing was how people received it. So, when I started writing the show, the show that I'm doing right now, which is Jaganay It's it's my first ever stand-up solo show special. Very good
0: name, by oh, the way. Huh?
1: <laughs> thank you. Everybody says this, see? But you have to come to the show to realize what exactly that name means. So, uh, yeah, it, it was kept on purpose. But um, uh, I, I realized... Uh, okay, so everybody was able to relate to what... It doesn't matter where they are. Because there is something, I, I talk about love story in this thing. It, it's basically a love story. The entire special is a love story. So when I talk about that, I could see a lot of people relating to so many things. And um, almost in every place, not just internationally, even in India too, at least there will be one couple or one person will come and say Do the exact same thing that happened to me. So as a comedian, that validation is all that you look for. Uh, because it's just the audience going, ah, I, I know that I know what he's talking about. No, that relatability, right? right? Yeah, that relatability, right? So that's what you uh, look. And uh, apart, see, with respect to stand-up shows, it's just the people's words that uh, really mattered. And there are a lot of lot of lovely things that people had to say about the show. Uh, I finished uh, the Colombo show only recently, and that also went really well, and I absolutely enjoyed it. With the people yeah, very there.
0: interesting. how 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 is the reaction from the Sri Lankan Tamil population? like uh, I mean, there's we share so much with with Sri Lanka. Uh, yeah uh, how was that experience in Colombo?
1: Um amazing. amazing. I didn't because before the show,
0: before the show, uh, uh,
1: some good people from Instagram who already seen the show already like the show message me saying that please don't expect a great thing from Colombo because. Uh, they they uh, they don't laugh at uh, musical comedy and all. If you do music, they will enjoy. Comedy means you have to go there and tell jokes. So, this is the uh, in, introduction that was given to me. And even people over there, uh, I, I'm pretty sure they were not sure what exactly I, uh, I'm going to do over there. And uh, I think I, after I performed, they said uh, I enjoyed the show because a lot of people... For me, it's about people laughing. And everybody laughed and it was fun. And they also said the same thing. And they said, saying that uh, not this much of connect. If you expect with respect to audience, because that has never happened. I've, I've, we have never seen audience uh, feeling so connected with the show. Not just at one point, but various points of the show, they felt connected. They were able to enjoy. They were able to relate. So, uh, I think we all have this mental image or some 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 sort of uh, what to say assumptions about okay this crowd is going to be like this this crowd is going to be like this ultimately people enjoy uh, when I performed in Wellington there was a lady who was close to seventy years old uh, like she came to me and then said that I really love your Sitch Sriram video this content is very good and I was so shocked that she spent time watching YouTube watching my Satsang video and then uh, uh, see you you never really know who the audiences are unless you go and meet them. So uh, that kind of thing happened and that was one of the most memorable shows that I did because I, I just loved the place itself. Wellington is such a beautiful place to be there just go roam around. And then the people and the crowd that came, that was the biggest show in New Zealand that I did. I did it in Auckland as well. But the Wellington crowd was like close to 120, which I didn't expect. And uh, it was such an amazing show and I absolutely loved it. And uh, yeah, I mean, so many, so many memories, so many... Lovely places, and uh, I went to I uh, did a show in London and Birmingham as well. So, the most memorable thing was not the show, the that I got that I had the chance to visit Etihad Stadium, Manchester City Stadium. So, <laughs> that's 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 the most memorable moment. If my producers are watching this, they'll get so mad at a party, which the HSP, but still, uh, yeah, the show went really well. But more than that, uh, visiting the city stadium was like crazy. I mean, and uh, the uh. Uh, uh, my solo show is like taking me to all these places and I'm able to do that. So far, I've heard only good things about the show and uh, definitely there will be a lot of uh, places where I need to work on, where I need to make it tighter. Mm. But yeah, international tours have been just fantastic Mm. so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, now you are a full-time, you know, comedian, stand-up comedian. When did you make that decision to quit your job and when did you, like, I always have this uh, question to to people who were you know doing a nine to five job earlier and then they chose to do something else. Uh, how do you how do you judge if this is going to be the right decision? Is that a is there a lot of contemplating? Is there a lot of this? Oh, uh, go with the flow.
1: I didn't think it was a right decision. Twenty eighteen is when I came out of IT, but I still didn't uh, uh, like quit. tasper per. Uh, become a full-time stand-up comedian at that point of time. So I started working for this channel called Put Chutney, um, which used to be a very famous Tamil YouTube channel. So uh, it was still a regular job where I had a monthly salary. But the thing is, I don't have to work nine hours every day because that's the nature of the job. It's a creative job. Sometimes you work 12 hours because you, have, you will be on a shoot And sometimes you can just take a break and just go relax. And sometimes you will, you can, uh, they will give you off when you have a a stand up comedy show that you have to do. They'll give you an off when you have a movie to shoot because they understand that it's a creative field. So when somebody goes and does movies or some other shows, they'll get more famous and that's actually beneficial for the channel. As long as you fulfill the commitment to the channel, it's fine. So I didn't do a direct jump. Even when going to Putchatni, I had to actually get a pay cut. I actually had a pay cut uh, to go there. Uh, That was the offer that was given to me. Because monthly, I will just get only this much. So, the decision was completely my wife's. By the way, I have to say,
0: Puchatni was one of the first web series, right? Wasn't it? Kind of? Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, At that time, there were a few YouTube channels. They all
1: started producing a good set of web series. But Puchatni was one among them. They did the series called Live In. And uh, like so many people that you see today... Uh, especially Darshana Arjinder, who is right now like very famous and very good. She was. It was one of her earlier roles, and uh, there was also Abhirami, who is also I think covered in a lot of movies. And what is it movie? The Pink remake. I forgot. Uh, she was there. In the, yeah. yeah. So it was one of the earlier series, but I was not uh, uh, working for Puchetni back then. Hmm. So I was just a fan of the channel. I I started working Puchetni only in 2018. <clears throat> so that's when it happened. So I just left the decision to my uh, wife and and even I I told her very openly because it's just a matter that I I was married, I had kids and uh, I told her like, uh, see, I know I'm passionate about stand-up comedy. I, of course, like it and all those things. But I don't want to, uh, first of all, go to a job wherein I have lesser pay just because I'll get this freedom. Deep down inside, I really wanted it. But uh, I never really... uh, uh, what can I say, it Was brave. I, I was never really brave to make that decision, you know, you to take that one step wherein you can say, okay, uh, I've never been that guy because I, I always want that financial security because when I was growing up, my father didn't have that, because my father was, he dabbled in a lot of businesses, sometimes he'll get a lot more money, sometimes he'll not and uh, there were a lot of ups and downs and that irregularity really pissed me off. So, I just wanted some sort of regularity because I know that I'm in a family and I I have this many expenses and I have this many EMIs which I have to do all those things. But my wife was the one person who told me, uh, like, go and try. If you don't do it now, you will never do it. So these kind of chances will not present to you every single time. So go and try. Uh, If it doesn't work out, don't worry. There is always, you can always come back to IT because a short break, nobody's going to say anything. But that was not the big break, actually. It, the big break happened in 2019, end when Putchutny was sold to some other company and the channel was closed. The, Uchitni, the parent company was sold to some other company. So that's when I lost the job. So, uh, like, the, I, I didn't have monthly salary going on at that time. And I had to ask my wife, so now what? It's 29, at the end of 2019. So beginning of 2020, I'm, we are doing this academy. Once I asked her, now what? Um, I'll go to job because this is not going to work out. A wife said, take a break for two months. I said, oh, no, take a break for two months. Do stand-up comedy. See what happens. She was the one who kept pushing me. And then I did. And then we all know what happened in March 2020. Because I thought, Jan, Feb, we were doing Academy Awards. This show is going to kick-ass. And we're going to tour all the world over. Maybe even US at one point of time. Who knows? We'll go and do it. And then everything happened when we did the March show. The lockdown came. Everything shut off. This time I was completely down. I told her very clearly, "Okay, fine, do it. I cannot do it anymore. There is no live shows. I'm doing stand up comedy. Let me go and do a find a job." And that's also the time that she said, "Wait, wait for two three months. I know that I can manage to some extent. I will manage for two three months. If nothing is panning, nothing is working out. You're not able to get in any sort of money in this uh, thing by doing something else other than doing an IT job. Then we'll see." <clears throat> uh, it's because of her uh, I was able to then we started doing Zoom shows then I started doing private Zoom shows and I started getting the money so I I owe a lot of I give a lot of credit to my wife for actually pushing me because just left to me I would have never taken this decision not even be a full-time stand-up comedian even in 2018 I would have not accepted the Poochagny offer I would have been like let me try doing stand-up comedy in part-time itself but uh, if she had not pushed me at that point of time, she had not. If she didn't give me the confidence to go actually go and pursue, if she didn't realize that this was actually my passion and then made me do it, I would have not done it. In that case, I think I am a bit more lucky. Most of the people, because I've seen a lot of people quitting stand-up comedy because their <clears throat> parents did not want them to do it, their family situation didn't warrant them to do it, and it is totally understandable. Because if my wife said, "Jagan, this is too risky, don't do it." I would not have done it because to me, this this is the priority for me, not anything else. Everything comes against passion, whatever interest or whatever it is. Because at some point of time, you can always pursue, but you cannot leave your family hanging and then do something because I have to chase art. Oh, this is my passion. That is bullshit to me, at least to me. Some people, it might not be. It is. There are like three, four people dependent on you. You cannot just let them go. You cannot let go of your responsibility and randomly pursue. That's what I felt. And yeah full credit to my wife that's exactly how i made the decision i would not have made the decision individually at
0: all yeah that's a, that's a fantastic story of resilience and seeing through the bad times and a kudos to your wife and yourself for seeing it through and uh, you know yeah finally we are back on track i guess with respect to live shows with the pandemic yep. getting over and all of that so yeah i think i think if you uh, if you see through the bad times if you sort of dog it out you know it can only get better after a point. So, so fantastic. Fingers uh,
1: crossed. Always crossing your fingers. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Hope, hope is what uh, leads us. <laughs> to, yeah, live our lives. Uh, <clears throat> and then before we end this podcast, I want to uh, sort of ask you about the, the up comedy space in general, you know, uh, I'm not going to draw parallels, but let's say uh, a business, right? If a, if a business starts, it may have a strong moat about moat, um and it may not and there may be always competitions right the, the will be always someone who is copying the idea or someone who someone else who is coming up through the ranks uh do you think stand up comedy is becoming a crowded space uh, or is the population or are there are so many tamilians and there are so many indians that it's only going to get bigger and there is space for a lot more people to come up like how do you see that do you are you always thinking about uh, what is new and then always be on your toes
1: so I I don't think so it is crowded yet I think uh, the the bigger problem that stand-up comedy has is exactly the opposite of that we don't have different voices that are coming up so we have voices from places where they have access to pursue stand-up comedy which at least with respect to Tamil I can say uh, because there are literally no open mics happening anywhere other than Chennai. Even if they are happening, it's not as big. Because <clears throat> um, even people who used to do stand-up comedy in Coimbatore, Coimbatore at like 2019 or something like that, they had to move to Chennai because they know that the opportunities are there are going to get dried up. There is like one stand-up comedian who's based out of Coimbatore, but he's also doing very less shows because he cannot do more. And uh, uh, I think. When diverse voices come into the art form, it's just going to enrich the art form. So, um, I will never say it is crowded because I will never say it is crowded. But uh, the thing is, what happens is people like the tag of stand-up comedy. uh, People like the tag stand-up comedian, the title, you know. It's very attractive to call because it means that you are actually doing something. But actually, whether they are trying to do stand-up comedy is the bigger question right now. So, because we used to go through this rigorous process, however painful or tiresome it is, we had to go through this open mic routine. We had to go through testing our materials. We had to do so many corporate shows to actually fine tune and then arrive at a particular point. Okay, say that this is what we are performing. But right now, I think uh, 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 the, the lines are getting dissolved between... Who is a sketch comedian? Who is a character comedian? Who is a stand-up comedian? Who is just a mime artist? Who is just a, a mimicry artist? Because everything is based out of reels right now. If your reels hit one million views, or if you have five hundred k followers anywhere, uh, you are you can do you can literally do anything, right? You can go and do a concert, guess. You can do a dance recital. Who cares? Uh, because you're famous anyway. People are going to come. So. Uh, I think it's good that a lot of people are dabbling in comedy. A lot of people are trying out comedy, but when you try to do stand-up comedy, my only thing is that like, you have to follow the process because that helps nothing else. I'm not saying that that is like, um, it's 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 not like when you start to play cricket, which is the analogy that we started. No, uh, you just directly pick a bat and then you. Everybody can, if you have the money, if you have the access, you can go get a pad, helmet, thigh pad, arm pad, uh, gloves and everything and then take a bat, the proper English willow and then you can give a post, you can click reels, you can do whatever you want. But that doesn't make you a cricketer, right? You still have to go. If they ask you to play front foot defense, you have to play front foot defense. Everybody has to go through that. That is the basics. So, I think that process is what is missing right now in standup up There are a lot of people who are trying to do because... Uh, uh, Again, you cannot blame the people who want to be stand-up comedians because they have, they don't have any other way to, uh, 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 what can I say? They don't have any other way to sell tickets. It's the much bad analogy, I can say. It's not even an analogy, it's a fact. They, they don't have any, because they have to be famous. They have to get 60,000 followers. If they have to be a full-time stand-up comedian, they cannot just earn by doing stand-up comedy. They have to do branded content. They have to do uh, this videos and that videos. And they will be able to do it only when they show social media following. And uh, what puts them is, it's the same um, creative exhaustion that happens that we talked about with the music directors and whatnot. And uh, I think comedy is in that space right now, which means a lot of people are forgetting what exactly they are supposed to do. It doesn't matter how famous you are. If you want to do stand-up comedy, follow the process because that process is what is going to help. Even the greatest of the great comedians, I've heard uh, 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 Chris Rock actually before doing an Oscar monologue. I think, I don't remember which year. He went to every single open mic circuit and then tested out his monologue. That 10-minute monologue, he tested it out like he tests out his comedy routines. It's Chris Rock. You don't, He he did not do that. It's Chris Rock doing... a. Oscar monologue, right? So he's already famous. It doesn't matter. Nobody's going to judge. Nobody's going to go and say that Chris Rock is not funny. The reason why Chris Rock does it is because he understands the process. He understands how it helps. That is the one thing that is lacking with respect to stand-up comedy. Uh, Because a lot of people should come in. Different voices should come in. But the problem is you cannot circumvent the process. And then you can just go and do a show just because you think... There's nothing wrong with it because... I used to think like that one year into comedy. I used to think like, oh, dude, I'm funnier than all these guys. I'm funnier than these guys who are doing 500,000-seater shows. I will do a show on my own. Who cares? But then when I did it, I realized how how absolutely crappy I was because I didn't have the experience. I did a show. I actually did a show uh, uh, like two and a half years into my stand-up comedy, a solo show, a one-hour show with a lot of ideas in my mind. It didn't work out. It, was, it failed miserably. And I realized that, okay, I didn't have the experience. I absolutely lacked the experience of doing it. And that value that experience much, much more than anything else. That experience is what is going to take you to the next level. So, please do come. Everybody should come. A lot of comedy questions should come. But don't succumb in the process. However tiresome it is, just follow the process that is going to yield you so great results that you will never believe. That's, that's the one thing that I wanted to say with respect to current stand-up comedy scene. Mm. So, so
0: to summarize, it's, it's, it's about people who are seeking quick fame through reels and and short form content that is somewhere taking away from uh, the, the the process right they the taking away from the fact that they are not willing to toil it out to to dog it out and uh, and i think i think yeah i mean this is a perfect place to end the podcast as well because i started talking to someone i started to talking uh, i started talking to someone who said that they were not liking anything about the process be it cricket or music or whatever <laughs> you know tried a lot of things in life and then yes. finally by the end of it uh guess what they are talking about the process so uh, this is circle a... of life that's it yeah it's the circle of life and i think there is no better way to end this podcast but before we end Uh, I would love if you could share what your future plans are, what your future uh, tours are, what your your future uh, uh, shows are with the audience. Yeah. So
1: I'm touring Jagane Tandram, uh, which is my solo stand-up special, if I have not mentioned it already a million times earlier. Uh, You would make a great
0: product manager.
1: (laughs) I I don't want to. I don't want to at (laughs) any cost. Uh, So... Yeah, so that's that's what I'm doing right now. So the next round will start very, very soon. Uh, it's just a year in break. I finished the show in November, the last show of this year. So from next year, there are a lot of new exciting cities that are going to come outside of India. There is a lot of plans that are going on. Uh, hopefully, I can take it to Europe, US, everywhere. Uh, hopefully, I get the visa, fingers crossed. I didn't get it when I was working in an IT company, but now I'm getting all the visas. I hope that happens for the other places as well and there is uh, i just did the biggest show in chennai this year which is something that i will never forget uh, in a place that i consider uh, that, that i've always been to just as an audience member to watch other people perform and i get to perform on stage in music academy which is such a prestigious venue in chennai so yeah i mean i i will never forget that moment uh, so there is this one more big show in chennai that i uh, that i want to do as uh, uh, the the final curtain call or swan song or whatever you know for this show not my career I was like <laughs> <laughs> not the career not the career just for this show just for this show yeah so wanted to do that and that's exactly what is in works and uh, um, yeah I mean I I, I just once the show is done I don't know what I'm going to do again as, as we just discussed start from scratch hit open mics build then let's see what it takes. That's the plan altogether.
0: Or like how Kamal Hazan says it, "Mathuglam." <laughs> <laughs> Aliera,
1: exactly. Anyway, thanks Jagan, for not saying the word before that. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah.
0: Of course not. <laughs> well, Jagan, it was a pleasure talking to you. I think uh, we discussed a lot of topics, and it's gonna be a challenge naming this episode. But I'll figure a way out. Uh, but yeah, no, thank it'll you be so a much th- bigger challenge.
1: It'll be a much bigger challenge for you to edit this episode because there I were so many digressions.
0: I don't think they can edit because that's the whole Amit, point of the podcast. Amit Verma, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know I've said this many times, but uh, but I think there are some people who love depth and uh, you know digressions and all of that. You know, people love to be a uh, fly in the wall of the uh, of of any conversation but uh i say this to my friends that you know anyway only five people listen to my podcast so I, I don't think it matters so we'll see how that goes but uh but anyway thank you so much for your time um i i mean time just flew literally uh it was it was fantastic so all the best for uh for your ventures and shows uh yeah thank you thank you so much Bala
1: pleasure was mine thank you